Hi, I'm Greg Lefebvre, and this is The Compulsive Storyteller, a series of short personal stories where we explore the idea that truth can be stranger than fiction. This week's episode is entitled, Me and Kissinger. Me and Kissinger. Well, come on, all of you big, strong men. Uncle Sam needs your help again. Got himself in a terrible jam. Way down yonder in Vietnam. Put down your books and pick up a gun. We're gonna have a whole lot of fun. And it's one, two, three. What are we fighting for? Don't ask me, I don't give a damn. The next stop is Vietnam. And it's five, six, seven. Open up the pearly gates. Well, there ain't no time to wonder why. At the height of the very unpopular war in Vietnam, which by its conclusion would take the lives of 58,220 young American men, Henry Kissinger decides to deliver a lecture justifying the war in Memorial Hall at his alma mater, Harvard University. The hall, a hulking brick, high Victorian Gothic collection of tiles and towers, was designed to seat only a thousand people. But today, it is beyond packed with every seat full and every aisle choked with students, most of them angry. Outside, surrounding the building's doorways, are more students and agitators, chanting and carrying anti-war signs. The timing of Kissinger's speech shows his supreme hubris. He thinks he can somehow get away with his defense of the Vietnam War to a huge throng of students, most staunchly opposed to the war and afraid for their lives, lest they be sent off to fight and die. I have a good seat in the front row of the balcony, and the air crackles with anticipation, many in the room relishing this rare moment to speak truth to power. As soon as he's introduced and begins his prepared remarks, peppered with words like hegemony and real politic, he's interrupted with shouts from the audience. Bullshit rings out from one corner, and Tricky Dick's lapdog from another. I cup my hands to make my own contribution. In Vietnam, the war is called the American War. Ain't that the truth? My call gets some laughs and scattered applause. And within minutes, the mighty Henry Kissinger can barely be heard above the din of his detractors. I rise and head downstairs to get closer to the action. But moving is like swimming upstream because there are students packing every square inch of the hall. On the main floor, the only direction I can possibly move in is toward one of the outside doorways, which I do. Beyond the doorway, the roar of the unruly crowd is deafening. Hundreds of students are augmented by anti-war activists from all over the Boston area, holding peace signs, placards on sticks, and some waving the red flag of North Vietnam. With raised voices and bullhorns, one anti-war chant begins while another dies out. One, two, three, four, we don't want your fucking war. Five, six, seven, eight. Now's the time to agitate. Hell no, we won't go. Hell no, we won't go. Hell no, we won't go. As I struggle through the crush on the stairs, I sidestep and find a small niche to shelter in, halfway down to the level of the crowd. Madam Ben, Hoshi Min, the NLF is gonna win. Madam Ben, Hoshi Min, the NLF is gonna win. Just then, there's a ruckus at the doorway behind me as a group of Harvard campus cops 
are struggling to get onto the top of the crowded landing. When I turn, in the middle of the police walks a cowering Henry Kissinger, who has fled the stage inside the hall. He looks both frightened and unhappy at the same time. The crowd below erupts into jeers and taunts once he can be seen at the top of the stairs. A much larger phalanx of cops pushes their way through from the street to rescue Kissinger. The university had no idea what the lecture would provoke, so their security preparations were a joke. I'm now only a few feet in front of him, and I feel impelled to take some action, to do something. Several in our crowd curse and spit, which seems like the right move, so I take a deep breath and spit as hard as I can, and miracle of miracles hit him directly in his face. Loathing and laughter on our side, fear and loathing on his. My next run-in with Kissinger comes two years later on a rainy night on Quincy Street near Harvard Square. I'm late to meet a friend for a movie at the Brattle Theater and hurry through a crowd in front of the Harvard Faculty Club. Dressed in a beat-up dark jacket with my long wet hair and rain running down my face, I look deranged. Through sheer serendipity, as I jog and weave through the crowd, I'm on a collision course with Henry Kissinger leaving the club surrounded by a crowd of his entourage, press, and security people. At the last second before we collide, two big security agents grab me, and I'm immobilized on the ground. Someone is filming the crowd leaving the faculty club, and as I lay on the ground with their Klieg lights in my eyes, Henry Kissinger passes by, looking down at me with the same fearful expression he had on his face last time I saw him outside Memorial Hall. As soon as he is safely shepherded into a black Cadillac limousine, the security agents let me stand up. At the request, I show them some ID and explain that I was hurrying through the crowd because I was late for a movie. After a brief consultation with each other, they let me continue on my wet and merry way. That was my second run-in with Henry Kissinger, some 50 years ago. Since then, volumes have been written about the length and breadth of his evil deeds. Anthony Bourdain really got Kissinger when he said, once you've been to Cambodia, you'll never stop wanting to beat Henry Kissinger to death with your bare hands. Rest in peace, Anthony. Then again, so too did Christopher Hitchens when he said, Henry Kissinger should have the door shut in his face by every decent person and should be shamed, ostracized, and excluded. In the trial of Henry Kissinger, he writes, In the name of the innumerable victims, known and unknown, it is time for justice to take a hand. Kissinger's various crimes against humanity are legion. His role in destroying the popularly elected government of Chile and the subsequent consolidation of the murderous Pinochet dictatorship which killed tens of thousands of people over a decade. His prolongation of the Vietnam War by sabotaging President Lyndon Johnson's peace talks. The hundreds of thousands of innocent civilians killed by the American aerial bombing of Laos and Cambodia. 
Then, after this amazing record of crimes against humanity, comes an ironic twist of fate. He wins the Nobel Peace Prize. Over the years, I've thought less and less about Henry Kissinger, except when I hear him on television with his phlegmatic, gravelly German accent intoning his absolutely unquestionable truths about the world. After I moved from Boston to New York, I started playing squash once or twice a month, which is hardly in keeping with my radical progressive background. At the posh River House at York and 63rd Street on the Upper East Side, they have a single squash court among their many luxurious old pre-war residences. When my squash partner, an architect of the rich and famous, informs me that Henry Kissinger is one of the River House's illustrious residents, all my hatred for the man comes flooding back. Whenever I push the elevator button to get to the court, I fantasize about what I will say or do to him when we meet face to face. Then one day, after playing squash, showering, and getting back into my street clothes, the elevator door opens on one of the quiet and luxuriously carpeted residential floors. And there stands Henry Kissinger, alone. It's hard to believe that this pathetic old man has been the cause of so much death and destruction, but he was. With his cloudy, milky eyes with drooping pink lids buried in wrinkles, he slowly inspects me, becoming visually shaken when meeting my hate-filled eyes. As I envision what I want to say and do to him, he turns and as quickly as his ancient body will allow, slowly shuffles back down the hallway. My first impulse is to follow Anthony Bourdain's advice and give chase. But I stop myself, not because he doesn't deserve a good thrashing or worse, but because I would no doubt be caught, and with his wide network of very powerful and highly placed friends and admirers, I'd spend the rest of my life behind bars. And to what end? Still, though, it would have been nice to send out a warning message to the world's evil elites that none of them are ever completely safe, no matter where they live. In 2023, one magazine article about Kissinger was entitled, At 100, more than half a century of blood is on this elder statesman's hands. Are you ready to tell your own story on The Compulsive Storyteller? We're launching a new segment of guest storytelling, and we want to hear your stories. Email a voice recording to hello at thecompulsivestoryteller.com. I'll play selected stories on upcoming episodes. Try to be as clear as possible in your recording, and we reserve the right to lightly edit them for length and clarity. Leave your name or contact information in your voicemail or email, and let us know if you'd like the story to be anonymous. I can't wait to hear from you. The Compulsive Storyteller is now co-produced by Greg Lefebvre and Fadia Monserrat, who's also arranged the music and created the special effects. Emily Ramone does design, research, editing, and marketing. Peter Kakoma has made our theme music and for many seasons co-produced the show with me. 
If you enjoyed this week's episode, let us know. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Compulsive Storyteller, and we'd love to hear from you. This podcast is independently produced, so we really appreciate all your help and support. Share the show with your friends, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave a review. You can also check out our website, thecompulsivestoryteller.com, for more information. Thanks for listening, and if you didn't like this one, the next one will be another story. All characters and events portrayed in this podcast are based on my truth, with some names and facts changed for privacy. The conversations and dialogues are based on my best memory, but are not word-for-word recreations. Thank you.